the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it, a friend or family member lost on it, or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Donnie and Heather Mosier. Hello. Say hi. 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 Uh, This is the Relevant Recovery Radio Show. Uh, We are sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. The Matthews Hope Foundation has a detox and recovery program inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown. We have a 10 to 14 day detox followed by two years of free aftercare. If you or a loved one uh, would like information about Matthews Hope, please visit our website, matthewshope.org, or call us 844-263-4673. And we are glad you're listening today on either KPRC 950 or on the iHeartRadio app. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you to our listeners. So we have a cool topic today. Recovery time. Are you too busy? (laughs) (laughs) Donnie and I have been arguing about what uh, to call this episode, and I want to call it, are you too busy? He wants to call it recovery time. And in the end, Will will decide. Yeah. In the end, Will gets the final say on whatever this talk. I bet I win, though. I bet, I bet Will will go my way. But anyways, are you too busy? That's what we're going to be talking about in general today is about time. Because I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like I'm too busy or there's just not enough time or I'm trying to find balance. And so we're going to talk about being busy from multiple different aspects or areas, uh, recovery related and non-recovery related. Well, do you remember how shocked you were? I, at least I did. Um, when I first got sober, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to find the time. Mm-hmm. I'm a really busy guy. And then when I actually got sober and started doing the deal, I realized that I had nothing but time. <laughs> right. <laughs> it turns out I was just like drunk and high all the time. So <laughs> I had plenty of time now that I wasn't getting drunk or getting high. I think that that's a good point. So first, let's talk about it from, from a recovery-related aspect. Um, when I got sober, um, people were saying, oh, you got to do this. you got to read this. you got to meet with your sponsor. you got to go to meetings. you got to work the steps. You got, And it just seemed like, well, how am I going to fit all this in? Oh, my God. It was overwhelming at It first. felt overwhelming yeah. at first. I had no idea... Um, and it actually didn't even sound appealing to me in the beginning. Right. I didn't want to do any of that. I wanted to be sober, but I really didn't want to do all of that. And so they lay all of that out in front of you and say, well, if you want to be sober, here's what you have to do. Right. And you look at it like this mountain or, um, whether it's recovery or if you're really getting into church and yeah. there's a lot going on in church or any kind of, um. I don't know, any kind of an activity, it's like, uh, and I don't know if it's just alcoholics, but we seem to go in 150%. Yeah, but I think that that can be good. So I want to talk about it from that aspect, because I said this when I was newly sober, and lots of people say this is, I'm just too busy. You don't understand. Uh, I hear all kinds of excuses. I can't go to that many meetings. I got a job. Or, right. uh, you know, I got kids. I can't go meet with a sponsor and work the steps. I got this going on. I got that going on. And it's like, you know, ultimately, if you value your sobriety, you will put recovery first and, and you will navigate those things and figure out how to fit that in your time. At um, least in the beginning. In the beginning, because you won't stay sober without it. Right. That's you, that's what I had to learn. you believe in that whole, that stupid myth, um, 90 and 90? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, we in the 12-step world, we always make fun of things that people get ordered people, to do. People say it like Na- it's 90 and 90. biblical. Yeah. For anyone that's not familiar with the 12-step world, what we're referring to is people get told, you got to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And the weird thing about that is when I first got sober, I just went to a meeting every day because I needed it. I needed somewhere to go where people were like me mm-hmm. um, and I could hear a good message. And, and ultimately, you also probably need your time filled up. They say boredom is the devil's playground, right? right so if right. you're sitting alone and isolating at home and watching Netflix or The Price is Right, um, you're not going to be in like a spiritual safety bubble like you would if you got up and went to a meeting. But here's what I love is that you have somebody who's newly sober, mm-hmm. okay? Their life is literally in a pile of ashes. Yeah, and they're going to die from alcoholism or drug addiction. And they come in and they're like, okay, this is great. Um, but I don't know if I have time for meetings because, you know, I got to really work on that job. And, you know, I need another apartment. And, well, I'm not dating right now. I want to date around. It's like your life is literally in ashes on the ground. You have nothing but suddenly. Suddenly. You got you got all the stuff you got to do. I got to go. Get, I got to go back to school. Yeah. I got to get that degree I've avoided for oh. seven years. Like I haven't done anything for 20 something years, but now I have to do it all. My children, they need me. Although I was like drinking in a closet two weeks ago and ignoring them anyways. <laughs> right. right. And so it's interesting that it, it feels that way. So we're kind but of you, making light of it, but, but it's like do, a real thing. But you do have some that come in desperate. And you're like, I want you to go to a meeting every day if you need whatever you need, you do it. And they're like, okay. The, the goal to kind of make sense of it. When someone gives that suggestion to do 90 meetings in 90 days as soon as you leave treatment or whatever, that's not a bad thing. It's not. People need to immerse themselves in whatever spiritual program of recovery they're choosing to do. So in that sense that it's it's good. It gets you involved quick. Get you involved quick. You're around like-minded people. You get people. into a routine of going to meetings all the time or yeah. every day. You, you get into, you start getting to know people, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's good in that aspect. But you want to understand that you want to go from being in a place where you need a meeting to going to a place where you don't need a meeting and you go to give. Right. right. But and I don't want to have time to get a sponsor and work the steps <laughs> if I'm going to a meeting every day. And, and I have a job and I have wait, kids. No, and I have to get a job and a girlfriend <laughs> and a car. Right. I don't have, you know, how do I get a home group and a service commitment? Like, I don't have time for all of this. It feels overwhelming. And and I will say that God will make time if you want to prioritize your sobriety. And in the, I think in the beginning, overwhelmed is what you need to be. You need to be overwhelmed with recovery. The more I'm thinking about my schedule and what meeting to be to and where at and what sponsor and where at and all of the logistics of it, mm-hmm. the less time I can think about drugs and alcohol. Or myself, my self-centered ideas. You know what? Nine years later, still thinking about me. <laughs> but they always call that like the back problems, yeah. you know, in the 12-step 12, 12 world. They'll say things like, you know, that person got their back problems. They got their car back, their girl back, their job yeah. back. And they got all these things back physically before they got to God or yeah. got, you know, a foundation of recovery. And people normally do relapse if that's the case. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that to be true of you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I once heard a guy tell a story about every time this guy got a car, he relapsed. And so he <laughs> yeah. always prayed that when he came back in that he would Wouldn't not have a car for a while because every time he got a car, he relapsed. But I think that that's, that's important to understand. When I got sober, I actually did like 120 meetings in 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was because I was also working the steps and becoming spiritually fit through that process, too. So we want to put that in context. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather. And I am Donnie Mosier. <laughs> or, no, you know what? This is Donnie and Friends. Welcome wow. back to the Donnie and Friends show. Anyways, we're talking about, are you too busy? Donnie's fixing to be busy finding an apartment if uh, he doesn't straighten up. <laughs> no, hey, my beard grew back. He yeah, said I could stay. I love the beard. Got to keep the beard. But no, we were talking about being too busy and excuses that people use to think that they can't work a spiritual program of recovery. And the funny thing is, is that in early recovery, we have to be too busy. We do. Yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. so. You have to be too busy. And then... What we're going to get into later in the show, I hate to foreshadow, is that foreshadow. you can be too busy. You can be too. And that's where and, we're at in so, our personal lives right now, a, which is why you, we're doing the topic. Today. Yeah, you have to find a gauge um, because we also do this in other aspects of our lives. Right. We find something we like or something that does good for us and we just use up all of our time. We just do it alcoholically. Ourselves. 150% yeah. in. But back to like the, you know, when people get suggested to go to a meeting every day for the first few months of recovery, that that stuff is good. I think that people should be fully immersed in recovery for at least like the first year. Yeah, I think you start to realize when you don't need it. Um, you start to go, okay. Yeah. Because there's that thing you'll hear people say, you know what? Like, I didn't want to go to a meeting today, so I went to a meeting. It's like, you get past <laughs> you, that. You get past that eventually. Yeah. I heard a joke once where a guy was newly sober and he said to his sponsor, you know, I got to go to a meeting seven days a week. Like, in the sponsor's like, maybe. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, how many, how many meetings do I have to go to to stay sober? And the sponsor says, well, start off with seven days a week. And every couple of weeks, you know, eliminate one. And then you're doing six meetings a week, then you're doing five meetings a week, and, and then when you relapse, then you'll know. You'll know your number. <laughs> you'll know your number. But it's just like, a, it's just a joke. But I think that early on, you're being told you got to get a sponsor. You need to meet with a sponsor every week. You need to make progress in your step work. You need to be fellowshipping and going to meetings or going to coffee or meeting people. Because we, we're... We have to make a personality adjustment Mm -hmm. that's sufficient enough to bring about recovery. And half measures avail us nothing. You can't kind of do this. We see so many people like that, like one foot in AA and one foot out, and they can't just commit, like, Mm -hmm. this is my life. Right. And I think that, you know, on the flip side, I think you and I do 12 steps fanatically a little bit. We're trying to find that balance. We're going to talk talk about about that. that. But I think that I always say, you know, my life. I don't fit the 12-step world around my life. My life is the 12-step world, and I fit the rest around it. And I'm still trying to learn how to fit the rest around it. And I think that's why you inundate yourself for the first year. You make the the program your life. Talk for a minute. What is a home group? So for me, it's always been, it's that one meeting a week that I don't miss no matter what. Mm -hmm. Uh, A home group has a business meeting. Or a group conscience. Once a month. Where they have, you know, chairperson, treasurer, secretary, secretary. They have different positions, and they don't govern, but they are in service for that meeting. They help make the meeting happen, right? And they they may make a vote on different things to happen, or if the bigger entities have votes that come down to they the get group a level. So in that hierarchy, that yeah. service structure. Yeah, you get to vote on that. And so that's how I explain it to, that was how it was explained to me from my sponsor is you're at that meeting every week. Like that's the one you don't miss. You don't right? miss. You go to their group conscience and you have a service commitment of some sort with that group. Once you've you done all three of those things, that is your home group. And it's like, well, I don't, okay, I'm already, I'm already making seven meetings a week. Mm-hmm. And now you want me to get a sponsor and figure out how to work <laughs> steps with him. But meeting an with hour your sponsor is a meeting a week. And 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 wait a minute. Now you want me to then become part of the business meeting <laughs> of the home group and yep. have more. T- and trust me, you will have time because getting drunk and high takes a lot of time and effort. 
and you're not focusing mm-hmm. on that anymore, you have time. I don't know that it took a lot of effort. <laughs> it did for me. I feel like I was I just a hustle. I was a heroin addict. Oh yeah, no, I was just a natural. You could addict. just go to the store and buy your Jimmy it was Jam. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, but it was a lot of work. But you know, our literature says if you'll put half the zeal into recovery that you put into drinking, you'll have amazing results. And so that means you still have to put effort in. You might not always like doing it, but you have to do it. At first, and then you have to do it until you get to do it, right. and then you get to do it, and well, it's like the coolest thing in the world. I think that's the deal: is you inundate yourself. You inundate yourself so much that your friends are the people that you see at the meetings. Mm-hmm. Your friends are the, the people that you're going out to coffee afterwards. Your friends become in part of that. It nucleus. becomes family. Yeah. But what would you say Chosen about family. if an alcoholic's trying to get sober and he mm-hmm. needs to go to all these meetings and do this stuff? What about his normal spouse at home that's like getting resentful and be like, you're always gone. You were always gone drinking. Mm, now you're always gone doing that 12 step stuff. Yeah. You know, that's a tough one. Um, when I got sober, I remember calling my ex one night and saying, hey, they want to go to coffee again tonight. Do you mind if I go? And she was like, yeah, I don't care. Go for it. And I was like, I feel bad because I'm out now every night doing AA or, or whatever the 12-step program is. Yeah. Um, and I'm not at home. Yeah. And she said, well, but when you are home, you're a better person. Right. And I think that that's where other 12-step fellowships like Al-Anon come into play. Yeah. Because even if you're a non-alcoholic member of an alcoholic family, yeah. um, you could have your own fellowship. You can go to your own meetings. You can you can develop that fellowship you crave and that support system through the other 12-step world fellowships. And then both of you are working steps and trying to get a connection to a God of your understanding. And so if you're both heading towards God through your spiritual program of action, you're both heading in the same direction and there's a lot less friction in the home. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then so once we get through this this early recovery, so mm-hmm. we fast forward. I've got a year now, right? And I'm sponsoring and I have a home group and You're I have a steps. family, yep. right? What does it look like now post one year? Like, how do you start to transition? Because I failed at this. <laughs> Me <probably> too. <laughs> the first two or three years of, being, of sobriety, I was in seven meetings a week, yeah. and I was involved in everything to the point of... Burnout. No, forsaking my family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And so I don't know what it looks like, because I believed what they said. And what they said was, if you rest on your laurels. If you let up on this spiritual program, you're going to drink. Right. If and you I would, relax, the, the obsession's going to come back and you're going to drink again. So I, I believed it. I was 14 months sober when you and I met. On one hand. Uh-uh. Wait, on one hand. I'm afraid that's going to happen. On the other hand, I'm now hanging out with my friends seven And I like week. doing it. Right. So that's that was kind of the conundrum or the both sides of the pancake, if you will, that I experienced. I was about a year sober and I was 14 months sober when you and I met Mm -hmm. and you had five years sober at the time. But I remember getting so excited about meeting you because you did 12 steps like I did 12 steps all in alcoholically fanatical. And I just remember being in that chunk of time where. I was going to all these meetings. I had a home group. I was doing H&Is. I had service. I remember at one point when I lived in sober living and I didn't have a regular job at that time, I had like 13 sponsees in the book. Well, you didn't have anything to do. (laughs) I I had sponsees. That's what I I had God's work to do. That was your job. So, but on one hand, it gave me a sense of purpose. 
Like I didn't feel like I had purpose in my old life. Right. I didn't feel like God could use me for anything important. And then when I got like that spiritual high of that spiritual juice of taking another girl through the 12 steps and I saw her change and I saw her recover, I was like, this is the most incredible thing in the world. I want to do this all the time. Yeah. And so I just threw myself into it because it felt like I was finally fulfilling my purpose, my the reason I'm alive. Well, and my, my first sponsor always said, John Nelson, I can mention him because he's passed recently, mm-hmm. but um, he used to always mention that we spend our lives trying to calibrate from the white to the black to find the gray. We're just extremes. We are creatures yeah. of extreme habit, and we are always just trying to calibrate between to try and find the middle. Right. Um, and so I know in the beginning for the first two or three years, I was all the way to the extreme where it's a meeting a day or almost seven days a week mm-hmm. with a home group, with commitments, with five, six, seven sponsees in the book, which means you're, you're scheduling. You're scheduling. Five, six, seven meetings uh-huh. a week plus the meetings you're going to. Yep. Right, <laughs> and I, that was how it was for the first. Once we got married, the first three three or so years of our relationship, I, I was about four years sober. We were still doing five, six meetings a week. Yep. Both you and I had six, seven, eight people in the book. Me being the extrovert, I was loving it. I hated it. Yeah. I, I hated being that busy, that many meetings. Because I'm like, can't I do less meetings and just sponsor people? I was trying to find that calibration. When did you give up? <laughs> When, right. right, because in early on in our relationship, I think you were still trying to impress me. So you were doing it with me same amount of time I was, right? Yeah. When did you give up on us? I'm still trying to impress you. Oh, because you, you know, we're going to have to talk about that when we come back. We're going to have to. Let's take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Listening to Relevant Recovery Radio with hosts Donnie and Heather Mosier. I'm Donnie. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah, you are. You're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> and I have a beard. But, so I'm starting I'm to so get so grateful. I'm getting some respect at home finally. Uh, listen, I just I marry men with beards. You just gotta keep it if you want to keep yeah. me. Yeah. So here's the thing. We're talking about being too busy today. We're talking about finding balance and calibrating a twelve step spiritual way of life, newly sober. But this is gonna apply and, to other people that aren't even in recovery in just a minute. We're gonna get to that in a second. And we're talking about sobriety, but we could also be talking about S L A A. We could be talking talking about Overeaters Anonymous. We could be talking about any Any. one of the 160-something 12-step programs. We could be talking about church. We could be talking about... Because there's definitely people who just hide out in church service. Uh, They show up for everything. They do. There's all kinds of people that are workaholics, okay? They're never home. They're always at work. They don't know that calibration, Mm. okay? So there's lots of ways that this can apply on are you too busy? Right. So we we went from early recovery, that first year or so. First year, all in. Do it. All in. 150%. Forsake everyone. Find your your foundation. Reintroduce yourself to your spouse after a year. Be like, oh. Oh, hey, remember me? Sorry. I'm here, but I'm better. I'm super spiritual now. That's right. I've actually transcended this relationship. I'm a Sherpa. Right. I don't know what a Sherpa is. What is a Sherpa? But I, be- I believe it's like... You don't know either, do you? It's a guy that wears a thing 
and he walks with a llama up a tall Just mountain. Just someone really spiritual. That's yeah, what I mean. Super spiritual. All right, then we talked about like from year one to year five. We uh, could make up what a Sherpa is, though. Let's not. I'm let's just really keep going. Certain. Just okay. keep talking. I just don't know if I can do it without cursing. <laughs> so from like year one to year five, like we're talking about finding the, your right groove of meetings, finding a home group, finding the right number of sponsees in well, the and, book and fellowships. And relaxing a little bit. So Trying maybe I'm not doing seven a week. Maybe I'm doing three to four. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe now my sponsees, instead of having four, five, six, seven in the book. Maybe I'm going down to two or three, something manageable, right? Because mm-hmm. as you said, sitting down with a sponsor to work in the book is, is the meeting. same as a meeting. So if I'm doing three or four meetings a week and I have three or four sponsees a That's week. That's still six. Yep. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> this is this is where you and, and I. And I still got to make time, uh, you know, consistently to meet with my own sponsor. And, and to write my inventory and have her check me. And this is where you and I have failed because also we have gotten other people through the book mm-hmm. and they are now sponsoring and I don't have time for them because I'm inundated with meetings and other people. So that's what sponsor. I want to talk about is like where you and I have been at for like the last year or so. Um, two to three. So, so specifically, like uh, I'm five and a half years sober. Donnie's fixing to turn nine in April. And so for like the last year... We had a lot going on uh, of fighting for custody mm. from my son. We drove back and forth to Oklahoma every other weekend. We still kept our commitments and so that's our the home thing, group that... and our sponsees and, and our full-time jobs. And we still did all of that. And it felt overwhelming at times. We spent the first two, two and a half years paying off all of my debt. Yeah. We got the debt paid and off. And if you and then haven't started... heard the debt episode, go back a few weeks. And there was an episode we did on uh, money. You'll hear how I single-handedly conquered <laughs> debt and paid it all off. Nope, nope, nope. Oh. Um, but I mean, so we were paying on debt, right? So we had a lot going on there. So we're sponsoring. I remember when, when you first moved to Houston, I think I had nine guys on the book at one time. Mm-hmm. It was insanity, right? But I needed it at that time. I needed that distraction from some things that were going on in my life, mm-hmm. right? So then we go into paying debt, and then we get into... Once we're debt free, going after we had started going after your son before we were debt free, and yep. then we start trying to buy a house. Yep. Right. So now we're sponsoring meetings, home group, son, going after your son. Yep. Trying to buy a house. Work. Work. <laughs> traveling back and forth to Oklahoma every other weekend for almost over a year. It was August uh, to August. Yeah, 2020, um, 2021. It was and a lot. What we should have done is backed off on the amount of people we were sponsoring, but we didn't. We didn't. No. And so then uh, the son, he, your son comes to live with us, and he was here from August till December. He decided he wanted to go back home. Yeah. And I remember our friend John pulling me aside at a meeting um, probably a month and a half later or a month later, and he goes, how are you guys? And I was like, ah, you know, we're, we're okay. And he goes, no, <laughs> uh, how no. Are you really? How are you really? Because you guys haven't stopped, slowed down, or like taken a pause since you got together. Yeah. You've gone from one thing into the next and the next. And that started this self-searching um, process. You know, season of uh-huh. discussions with yeah. a lot of elder people. I mean, John has been sober for 33 years. Has he really? Yeah. I didn't know it was that long. 33 I love years. John. Yeah. He's Super a very smart guy. guy. Um, so we should take his advice. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and But I think that that's what I want to kind of dissect is like for the last um, year or so, like what our life has looked like and even like what, what it looks like right now and why we're trying to have these conversations about scaling it back is because 
you and I, we, we work full-time jobs Monday through Friday. Right. And our jobs sometimes spill into evenings and weekends for yep. both of us. Yeah, like most people. In addition to that, we meet with sponsees on Mondays. We have our home group on Tuesdays. We have our church program on Wednesdays. We have sponsees and meetings on Thursdays and Fridays. Sometimes sponsees spill into Saturdays for both of yep. us. Yep, and I have so, one to two every Saturday. And so we try to have Saturday afternoon evening for like fellowship or fun or hanging but out. a lot of people schedule things on Saturday evening, yep. so we go do that. And then we have church on Sunday. So it's like... So let me ask you this before. Let me stop you there. Mm-hmm. What is the feelings that have led up to this? Okay, we have to assess this situation. What have we been going through that make us go? We keep having this conversation for years now about <laughs> scaling two. it back. I believe your sponsor said at least two. Yeah, I called my sponsor about it and she's like, yeah, we keep having this conversation, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you keep talking about being d- p- too busy and doing too much and that you need to manage your time better or f- ask God to help you manage your time better or scale things back. But we but, keep not doing it. We'll eliminate right. something and we put something else in its spot. Because we legit have something going on Monday all the way through midday Saturday. And then when other things happen or whatever, we find ourselves doing stuff Sunday, cleaning the house. But what you and I have realized recently after yeah. you had that discussion with John is that you and I agree that sometimes you and I hide in the 12-step world. Right. So let's talk. So there was the chaos, right? And here's what the problem was. We had to stop and pause because we realized we truly didn't have time for anything. Yeah. Like literally people were like, hey, we want to go to dinner with you. We're like, cool. Let's look a month out on the calendar. That's, like that's, that's insanity. What I, what I that's thought insanity. was crazy is someone wanted to have coffee with me. And I had to look at my calendar and schedule her three weeks out because my calendar had nothing available. That is sick. It's gross and insane. And that's what we started to feel is we started to feel we started drifting apart. Yeah, we I didn't, we didn't we realize we didn't really know how to just be husband and wife at home with like right. house projects. We know how to do 12 step stuff together. The, and, well, and then and then add in church. So yep. now we start going to church on Sunday and we're really enjoying it. And then we start doing the Wednesday night thing. And then I start smoking cigars with some of the men in the fellowship every other Thursday. And now I may start doing a Monday. It's like I'm replacing, just ripping and replacing. Yep, yep. And we're not calibrating very well. No. And the problem is that we are still doing uh, the 12-step fellowship, the 12-step program, as the way we were in as, the first year. Yep, as fanatically as we Why? did at six months. So I are think, we trying to impress others? I think pride and ego are involved. I think we've set the bar too high for ourselves. And we, But we expect everybody else to meet that bar, too. And we expect everybody else to do this like we do it. And, Which and makes so, us not very liked. <laughs> <laughs> right? We're not very like. So we've set this bar for ourselves and for all the people around us. And and we're burning out in that sense of if we don't find this calibration, we don't have a full cup to pour from. Right. And so on the outside for us, it looks like we are Mr. and Mrs. 12-step. Yeah. Like we are. This and I is, think on one hand, we, we do a lot of good in the 12-step world. We'd have purpose there. But. But where does the amount of help that God wants us to give and our ego, they meet at some point, And where is that? I agree. So whether you're in a 12-step world or not, look at this in just the, the scope or prism of, of serving. People that are serving all the time are generally just trying to find acceptance from God or from others. And, and so pride and ego are involved there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what we had to break down. That's what we had to figure out is, was I actually um, hiding in the fellowship? Was I hiding in all that busy work? Was I avoiding other things? Was I fluffing my ego because I have so many people that I'm... 
<clears throat> that I'm helping. You know, these people are coming to me, Heather. I don't right? know if you know they this. They call because me. Yeah. I have something special to offer. <laughs> and then we get confused thinking I'm the source of right. the power or the specialness, not realizing it's only God all the time anyway. I'm either a channel of God or I'm just a tool. And I think that it, for me personally, we see people in the 12-step world come in and do 12 steps for one to three years on average. By five, most people don't do it anymore. Their life gets better, they go away, and they don't continue this work. It's even rare to see someone last 10 or 20 years still really doing the program. But I think there's also a bit of excitement in that you and I never had purpose in our lives Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what purpose was. I didn't know what live. And now that I have a purpose, I'm excited and sure. I want to go to extreme yeah. purpose. I agree. But at the same time, I would rather us find the calibration and do this service low key long term for the rest of our lives sure. and sure. not just fanatically and burn out and only do it for yeah. five years. So when we come back, let's talk about sort of why we think we were doing this the way we were doing this. Why were we? Uh, hiding out. Why were we doing it fanatically? And what is the solution? Yeah, Let's we'll get do, into some we're going to do some solution when we get back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's so we need great. It. I asked Kenny. God knows we need I it. I asked Kenny if I could mention him on the show today. He said yes. So we will Perfect. be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with the Donnie and Friends show. Wow. Okay, sorry. With Heather Mosier and Donnie Mosier. <laughs> Real quick, I want to mention that Relevant Recovery Radio is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. You can visit our website at matthewshope.org, or we have another website. It's longer, but it's better. It's Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program.com. Or give us a call, 844-263-4673. And thanks again, whether you're listening to us on KPRC AM 950 or the iHeartRadio app. All of our past episodes are available on iHeart. We're talking today about time management, being too busy. Right, right. Making time for recovery and finding that calibration. Well, and that's why I believe that my title's going to win, Recovery Time, right? Because that's where you and I are now. We are recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. The insanity that I can drink or do a drug today has been gone five and a half years, and I'm grateful to God for that. Right. And so now it's time for the other recovery time. It's time for us to actually start learning to live our lives, because what we have found is that we set this ego bar that this is the number of people you got to sponsor, this is the number of meetings you got to go to, this is how involved you got to get. And we feel crazy because we live up to that bar because we're holding everybody else to that bar. Yeah. We start feeling like only I can help this person, only I can help, because in a way we sort of forget that it was God doing it the entire time. It really wasn't us. Right. Uh, And then the last thing is that, uh, you know what? I'm on marriage number three. (laughs) What? You're on marriage number three. (laughs) Yeah. So for our listeners that don't know, Donnie and I have both been divorced two times prior to each other. We're each other's third husband wife which means that we really have divorce down now we're going to actually try and get marriage down right <laughs> yeah and, well this and, is the first marriage that i've ever had that had god in the center though true story and i don't know should you put me in the center wow. like that wow here's the thing anyways yeah you kind of threw me off there so, so <laughs> we're, we're talking about burnout so but hold on so what we're i want to finish it with this that i didn't really know how to be a husband yeah you didn't know how to be a wife. No. What is what is just hanging out together an entire weekend, Friday through Sunday, look like? Right. I 
honest I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, I and, really don't and know that's that something like. we are just at the tip of the iceberg of figuring out here right. at five and nine years sober. And everybody's timeline is different. Maybe yep. some people find that groove quicker than we did or later than we did. But I think that a couple years ago, an advice that my sponsor had given me was for you and I to sit down and make a list of like work life 12 step balance priorities. Because, like an idiot, right? We really are getting into church. And now I have literally shifted it from the 12 step to church, church functions. Sunday, Monday night, maybe I'll go to a men's group. Every other mm-hmm. Thursday is the cigar night, and Wednesday nights we do our deal there. And then so I, it's added like, in, I added in a steel on steel and a traditions meeting on my Thursdays and Fridays, you know? And, and so it's, it's crazy we that really we are keep imbeciles. doing this, yeah. you know? And I think what it is is because going and doing that stuff is way more comfortable than just sitting at home. It is. Because I don't really know you anymore. What? Yeah. Remember all those lies you told me when we first started dating, the things that you said <laughs> that you liked? That I love camping? Yeah. That yeah. was the only lie I told you. I find out that your idea of camping is <laughs> like a really nice hotel. No, it just requires electricity, Donnie. I, mean, I, I need a, a flat iron yeah. okay, and an air conditioner. Yeah. And you were like, I'm from Oklahoma. I love it outside. You are in our backyard like twice a year. Listen, I didn't realize how many bugs are in Texas. <laughs> Mosquitoes. Like, I didn't lie. I just didn't know. I, here's the thing. I didn't know me. Right. That, but that's kind that's of the point. That's the point. I right? didn't know me. I'm trying to get to know who I am with this connection to God, this spiritual, because I didn't know who I was. And the beginning of this recovery, no matter what you're recovering from or, or when you're involved in these things, these things become more comfortable yeah. than, than being together because we now are going to go through a process where we get to know each other again. And one thing I want to realize as part of the, what solution to this, on one hand, we need to see why we're doing it, pride and ego and purpose and thinking right. I'm going to save people and I got to right. sponsor all the people because my way works. You know? But one thing that our pastor recently said is we need to embrace our limitations. So We need a nap. Yeah. He said that, yeah. right? Yeah. It's okay to embrace my limitations for me to say, you know what? I can't sponsor this person. I don't have time. Let right. me pass it on to somebody else. Because we always thought that if we turned somebody down, we were selfish. I mean, we have our friend Kenny. I told Kenny we may talk about him okay. today. So Kenny's a single guy inundating his life in the program. Now, mm-hmm. he's not so much anymore, but he used to because he didn't really know what being a single guy living a life outside of the program looked like. Right, right. And it's sort of that same uncomfortability. What does it look like for me to be a husband outside of the program and have friends and talk about something besides the program? And he was going through the same thing. How is it to go just live a life? Because that was the whole reason we got in the program, was to get sober so we could live a life. Right. And so I think that that's what you and I continue to remind each other is you and I are not the saviors of the 12-step world, and we don't have to sponsor everybody. Like, God's in charge. Right. God equips me to sponsor some people. And, And then what you were saying earlier, we have a bunch of people that are through the steps that we sponsor, and I haven't had time for them. Right. When they call, they just want to catch up. And I'm like, hey, you got to make an appointment with me three weeks out. They're like, what? Right. I'm realizing that I don't have time for the people that I've already sponsored. When as husband and wife, we have to put our time with each other on a calendar. Yeah. There's a problem. Yeah. And so we've begun the this. The process we've begun is, I would say, finding a, a rhythm of rest. We're right. trying to figure out how to do that. Well, and we started slowly. So the first thing we did was we reserved Sundays. Sundays. Sunday is for church, maybe a meal with my daughter, but it's our day. Nothing interrupts it, mm-hmm. right? No sponsees, no, unless there's something that comes up that we agree on. It's sort of just our set standard day 
of rest. And then we had half a Saturday, but here by the end of the month, I've got some guys that I'm normally meeting with on Saturday. You've got some girls. We're going to be done with them, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to put anything else on Saturday. Yeah. Because what I find is that there's things around our house that we just bought a year ago that I cannot get done because I don't have the time. Yeah. I could do that Saturday so that we can rest on Sunday. I really appreciate you putting the cock on those windows, by the way. I've been asking him for like six months for that. Before the heavy rain. Look at this. It's done. (laughs) And what about the the rack I held up and put up on the wall? Yeah, I appreciate that sort of stuff. I think that that's the calibration we're trying to find. I think it's similar to the spiritual whack-a-mole idea. We will always... Take two steps forward, one step back, and recalibrate yep. together as husband and wife. But I think that you and I share the same mentality that we're going towards God together mm-hmm. and, and that we need to find sanctuary and rest and and all of that in God. And the destruction of pride and ego. I remember uh, something else that he said that we both liked. Um Embrace your limitations, right? So mm-hmm. I need to know that I need rest. I need to know that I need some downtime. And God's the hero, not me. Right. And so I want to read something from John 15. It says, I am the vine, meaning Jesus. You are the branches, meaning me and you. You remain in me and I remain in you. You will bear much fruit. You can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do things, of course, but nothing that's spiritually significant that results in transformed lives, not without God. Right. And so, yeah, I can do things. I can make a goal list. I can make a to-do list. I can make a honey-do list. We could check it off, check it off, check it off. But we're talking about like spiritually transforming lives, including our own. Well, <clears throat> Becoming a better we, husband, wife, daughter, mother, friend. But now we get to figure out who that person is. When we first came in, we um, had to figure out who we were without alcohol and drugs, Yeah. now we have to figure out who we are without inundating ourselves in some sort of activity. That's 12 step. <laughs> 24-7 or church or whatever. Yeah. Being at home. Uh-huh. Getting to, we even got some cards that my friend Brian suggested, right? Marriage that, cards, yeah. That questions for each other, like if you could go to vacation anywhere you wanted, money wasn't a factor, where would it be? And along that same line, we... Is we, your color still green, your favorite my color? My favorite color is still green. Yeah. But we booked a little trip, a little getaway somewhere yeah. coming up in a few weeks that is in the middle of nowhere on Mm -hmm. a lake with no Wi-Fi, no cell phone service. My wife is going to teach me how to fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I bought bought the gear. She grew up in Oklahoma where you could only eat if you knew how to fish. No, I I, I just grew up fishing with my daddy on a boat. I definitely know how to fish, but this will be our first time fishing together. There's a lot of things we haven't done together. And we've been talking about it for two or three years. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? But again, I I just want to say that I think it's really important to understand that I want to live a life where I do something significant significant for 10, 20, 30 years. Not something that's just you know incredible for 10 to 12 weeks. And the problem is that the pace we've been going, we will burn out. My sponsor told me a year ago, it's been a year now, he said, I've seen too many guys get to your age of sobriety and burn out and walk away from the program and never come back. Yeah. You have got to tone it down. You've got to relax. And I think what scared me that whole time was just, what do I look like being a husband? Right. I have no idea. And I think it's okay. Just remember, embrace your limitations. God's the hero, not me. And remember, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though. 